Welcome back to My Life Plus 25. For those of you who are new, uh, my name is Mario Chavez, and I've been wrongfully incarcerated for 17 years for a crime that I did not commit. And this podcast is part of my fight, ongoing fight for exoneration, for freedom, for justice. And I've, as I said numerous times before, I encourage you to send me an email at audio at mylifeplus25.com or visit my site or any of my platforms and look at what's there, send me a question. And actually, this topic for today's uh, pod episode, I've actually named Nothing Nada Zilch. It's a talk about impunity. And the reason that the topic came to me is that it didn't come to me through email like so many others do, but I was actually participating in an online discussion through voice through a voice chat uh, about impunity and about how not all people are subjected to the same laws, right? And it was about how certain people, whether it be because of their of their race or their financial resources or, or maybe their fame or the state power that they're able to wield, that they are they are effectively able to purchase sort of like immunity from consequences for their actions, right? And being at this group, they had never had anyone on there who was currently incarcerated participating in one of their discussions. So I was asked a very, very direct question, and they asked me about how impunity touches me in here, right? They all know how it touched them out there. And it came, I had never actually talked about anything like this, and I thought that many of you would enjoy hearing what I had to, to uh, say. So, because this is really a perfect sort of question, because it draws attention to some of the biggest injustices that prisoners face. And it's in that laws are written to apply to everyone, obviously, right? But once you've been accused or convicted of a crime, the sort of unwritten law of judges and prosecutors and politicians and and prison wardens and prison staff in general is that our rights, our constitutional rights and the laws meant to protect us don't apply to us because we're being punished, they, they say. And some of you out there may even think that this makes sense, right? That if we're being punished, that it stands to reason that we don't get certain rights. And that's true. But you see, the right that was taken from us, whether we did the crime or not, but were convicted of, was freedom. That's what was taken from us, freedom. Freedom to choose what we wear, what we eat, where we sleep, who we associate with, whether we can hug our children or our parents, our loved ones. And there's other other things, right? But our constitutional rights were never taken. We still have the right to due process. We have the right to access the courts. We have the right to not be exposed to cruel and unusual punishment like torture. We have property rights and even certain liberty rights like like marriage and freedom of speech. I mean, obviously we don't have the right to bear arms, right? But we have the right to be informed. We have the right to read, practice a religion, abstain from a religion, write letters, read letters. We have most of the same rights as you with the exception of freedom. And I, I was thinking about how to, how to make it understandable to most people out there. And I came up with an example. I, I mean, imagine for a moment that you got a speeding ticket, right? Or, or rather than that, let's say it's a ticket for not coming to a complete stop at a stop sign. And let's say that you go to court and that despite your best efforts and your best defense, and 
regardless of your innocence or guilt, for argument's sake, let's just say that they find you guilty. But your punishment for this is that you can't drive for 30 days, right? That's your sentence. That's what's been taken from you. So let's say that tomorrow your 30-day sentence for non-driving starts, right? And when you walk outside of your house in the morning, because now you're going to have to take the bus or walk to work, you find governmental officials with badges who are actively slashing your tires, taking a sledgehammer to your windshield. There's another one inside your car, rifling through your glove box, through the door compartment, through your center console. There's another one in your trunk. And if they find anything that they like, they'll just take it. Or if they think that there is anything in there that you shouldn't have based solely on the arbitrary nature of their personal whims, they will destroy it without any oversight or any recourse on your part. Now, if you question them, right? right? Because that would be the natural response to them. Or if you complain, and by complain I mean you fill out a complaint form that they provide you with, where you write something like, they were these officials dressed in camouflage soldier guard, vandalizing my auto, and they stole my personal items. You know, maybe my wristwatch or your wedding band or, or photographs of your wife or maybe your bank statement or a personal diary maybe, right? Or maybe a, a drawing that, that, that your little girl did for you at her school. They're going to tell you to fill all this out in a little form, and then you mail this form to some other official who is associated with the ones that just violated your rights. And they're going to tell you that within five to ten days, you'll have a response, right? But 21 days later, you still haven't heard anything. So what do you do? Right? Maybe you decide to write a letter to your congressman or to the head official of the military guard soldiers who did what they did to you. Or, or maybe you decide to write a letter to the judge. And if you have any extra money, maybe you decide to hire a even hire a lawyer. Now, I'll tell you right right now, the congressman, the elected official, has no time for you because you were convicted of a violation. The head official is interested in protecting his officials. And the most likely, I've even found this numerous times, that usually the head officials that you write the letters to are usually related to some of the officials who just violated your rights. So you're not going to find any justice there. The judge will never respond. And if you have a lawyer and you decide to file a suit, he or she may be able to take it into the court. But the court is going to tell you that no legal action can be taken for the simple reason that the simple reason that they're going to give you is because they're going to say that you didn't properly file the complaint form, right? The one that the officials gave, gave to you to file. Now, of course, you're going to stand up and you're going to say, aha. I did file the complaint, but they never responded. And you may even have a copy of the complaint that, that you sent. But the judge is going to turn to the head official of the military guard soldiers who did what they did to you and ask if this is true, if you sent the complaint. And the official is going to turn to the judge with a straight face and say, no, they never received the complaint. And the judge will believe his or her lie over your truth every single time. And that's when your lawyer is going to turn to you and say, well, there's not nothing that can be done here. Now, if you're feeling frustrated or maybe even a little angry about this blatant injustice taking place in your life, I understand exactly how you feel. And I hope that you are not considering what I think you're thinking. But let's just leave that to the side for a moment. Instead, let's assume that what you're thinking is that your sentence is only for 30 days, right? And besides, 
aside from some of the irreplaceable items like maybe your daughter's drawing or your personal chef diary, most of what was taken from you was replaceable. So you start to tell yourself, you're not going to stoop to their petty and childish level. You're a grown-up, you say. you got better things to do. You have bigger issues to worry about, more, res- more important responsibilities to address that require your attention. You don't have time for the energy and emotional drain of dealing with these idiots. So over the next couple of weeks, you replace most of your replaceable items, right? And days later, after you do that, this time when you're coming home from work, you see the same exact situation repeating itself again. This time you're furious. This time you, they have the hood of your car open and they're pulling out wires and removing bolts and screws. And when you demand that they tell you what the hell is going on and why they're stealing and damaging your property just as before, this is, this is what's going to happen. The military guard official wearing camouflage, he's first, he's going to draw his weapon, right? It's either going to be a gun with rubber bullets, a taser, a can of mace, or maybe he'll just slowly put on his black operator gloves and unsheath his handcuffs. And right about then, he's going to give you this very questioning look to see if you still see anything wrong with what's taking place, right? Now, the choices before you are to continue to express your displeasure over the fact that your rights are being violated and what they're doing is illegal, or you could just walk away and accept it. Now, if you choose option A, we'll call it option A, right? And you verbally express your displeasure, which is actually part of your rights of freedom of speech. Here's what's going to happen. Do you remember the list of weapons that I mentioned? The one that I said that said official was unsheathing as you approached to inquire about the violation of your constitutional rights? All right, good. I want you to keep those in mind. Because that weapon and probably every other in the list is now being used on you. Not just by one of them, but by all of them. And they will then handcuff you and carry you into some sort of medical bay area. And then they will place you into a smaller box. And I am really, with all of my heart, hoping that while this is happening, while you're being carried away by the very officials who just assaulted you, that at no time does it occur to you to scream foul play or insult one of them or in any way, shape, or form try to accuse them of wrong or misconduct. Because if that happens, then they may take you into another secluded area where there are no witnesses and decide to beat you. Now, I am confident, very confident, that you will eventually heal from the physical wounds and the bruises from the beatings. That's actually not what worries me. What worries me is that now you're going to be possibly charged for assault on a peace officer. And that's a very, very serious charge. This country does not permit us to defend ourselves from an assault when that assault comes from one of its officials. Now, I think I know what you might be thinking. First, you didn't assault anyone, right? Because you were in handcuffs the whole time. Second, they assaulted you. You did not assault them. Third, there were witnesses, maybe even a camera or two. Yes, I I understand that what they did to you was wrong. I understand that it was juvenile. I understand that it was petty, even criminal. It was a gross violation of your rights. I know all of this, and I agree with you. If you want to even vent some of your frustrations, I'm more than willing to sit here and listen to you. No? Are you sure? 
because there are some very important things that I needed to tell you. Despite the wrongfulness of what was just done to you, or the pettiness, or the juvenile nature of it, or even the fact that it was both a crime and a violation of your rights, none of that has anything to do with the reality of your situation. Because in the reality of your situation, you are now being charged with a very real felony of assault on a peace officer. I know, I know, I know. I know exactly what you're going to say. What does a military camel-garbed armed official with a badge who has openly vandalized your property, stolen your property, and assaulted you have to do with a peace officer? Actually, I don't know. And I'm actually, I have to apologize to you because usually I'm really good at thinking of quick things to come up with for bizarre occurrences, but I had nothing. The only thing I can maybe think about if I stretch it is that maybe peace officer had something to do with that momentary lull you experienced after you blacked out after the first couple of blows that you took to the head. What's that? How many blows did you take to your head? I don't know. And actually, I think the better question that you should be asking is how many did you take to the head? Because have you seen yourself in the mirror lately? No? Well, you should. Because I think you have some swelling there where you used to have an eyeball, and I'm pretty sure that your nose now points due west. I'm pretty sure it didn't do that yesterday. But like I said, the physical consequences of what just happened to you is not what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is that now they are adding another 45 days to your 30-day sentence. And from there, the cycle just repeats itself again and again. And the officials who are supported by your tax dollars, the ones who are apparently paid to dress in camouflage and have weapons on the ready to be used against you, they act with impunity because of something called qualified immunity. The example that I've just given you may seem like a comedy bit, right, for some kind of stage act, but that is a very, very close approximation of what we live inside of these boxes every single day. Now, let me give you an example of, of, of my own. On the 22nd of April, these officials performed their, their biannual shakedown or security search, right, which over the last 17 years I've seen progressively getting worse. And... They leave us locked in our cells for two weeks while they go through the, the prison dressed in camouflage and doing these drills and low crawling on the floor and whatever else they do looking for, for whatever they're looking for, right? I've never been able to understand why they need to be dressed with military patches and black jackets in a prison. I don't know if they're going to go hunting laughter or what that's about. It's not quite clear why they wear camouflage, right? But there is an immediate effect from it. Because when they have camouflage on, their whole attitudes change. They become more aggressive, more assertive in, in, in persecuting. And maybe that's why the taxpayers are paying to dress them like soldiers so that maybe on a weekend sometimes they can go fill in an extra ship at Guantanamo Bay or, you know, figure out another way to further traumatize the citizens that, that they're supposed to be rehabilitating. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the reality of what's happening. And tax dollars are paying for it. Anyway. As we all know, I'm working on my appeals, and I, I buy and I read a lot of law books and law journals. I buy a lot of envelopes, papers, posters, right? These, these types of things that they sell. And about a year ago, I filed a complaint against them because they don't have a paralegal on staff to help us with court filings. And so their response to that was they decided to not let me order any more pens, right? So for six months, no pens. I write requests and responses to these things or these bizarre things. They say, 
if you're indigent, we'll give you pens. We'll issue them to us, to you. But if you're not indigent, you have to buy them. So then I say, fine, what do I buy them from? Well, we don't have an approved vendor. So you're saying I can't buy them. Well, yeah, you can, but we don't have an approved vendor. So I can't buy them. Will you issue them to me? No, we can't issue them to you because you're not indigent. This is the kind of circular argument that goes around and around and around and around in circles with these, with these people. But so I filed a complaint, and apparently this ruffles feathers. Because when they came through to do their security search, they took all of my pens, right? which I had purchased and had receipts for. And there's a word for that. It's called theft. But their reasoning was, I write too much. That was their exact words. Now, the Camel Guard staff member, her name is, her name is Sergeant Montoya, right? She's the wife of the major, the head of security of the prison. So likely, she knows that no complaint against her will go anywhere because her husband is the is the head cheese. So she just effectively stole a bunch of my legal cases and caseworks and property and reading glasses and wristwatch and mirror and earbuds and all these other property, right? She just stole them, threw them in the trash. She did whatever she wanted. She did it for two reasons. Because one, apparently my legal and authorized complaints are a nuisance to her husband. And two, she knows that there will be absolutely no consequences to her actions. Theft is permitted so long as you're dressed like a soldier and have a badge. Now, this is not an isolated experience only to me, right? This is an ongoing occurrence. This is daily life in prison that taxpayers are paying for. And there are officials, but there is no oversight. Officials like Derek Chauvin, the man that killed George Floyd in the street, are as common as sexual violation is in, in prison. I can identify eight Derek Chauvins working in this facility right now. They have badges and they dress like soldiers and they love to put their knees on the backs of inmates' necks. But there is no body caps in this world, which means that there is no real oversight. Yes, yes, I mean, I understand that every several months they have an inspector who comes around and looks at the place, but it's easy for them to behave for a day or two. And when the inspector leaves, everything in this world of tyranny returns to normal. And what most concerns me about this is where impunity leads us. Right? Because when inmates attack a staff member, the media fuels the flames of social outrage by reiterating exactly what the department claims, that it was unprovoked violence. But all of you need to understand that it's never unprovoked violence, which is exactly what the media would say about you after you were assaulted for exercising your First Amendment rights by trying to dissuade these people from vandalizing your car or stealing your property. What they'll say is that the media would come out to your trial and say that you're a violent person with psychotic tendencies, and they'll probably bring some girl from your first grade class who says that you used to melt crayons in the girl's bathroom and put the crayon in her hair. Now, what that has to do with your, with your reality now, and no one knows, but they're going to do it. Of course, none of this is true. You know that. I know that. But the media, the prosecutor, and the accusing officials are all working from a different script that is effectively being transposed into your reality. And the worst part is that even if the truth of their illegal actions were eventually to be, I guess you could say, uncovered, for instance, let's say that someone were to come forward or some evidence were to come forward that vindicates you, right? And it turns out that the whole time you've been sentenced illegally because all this time you've been innocent. Do you know what will happen to the camel-clad, camel-fraud-dressed officials, the the prosecutor, the media who dispersed the lies, or even the judge who refused to uphold your rights? 
Nothing. Nothing. Zilch. Absolutely nothing will happen to them. That's impunity, and that's the American justice system. Now, I hope to have my lawyer on here soon to help me explain to all of you the kinds of impunities that I've been that have been taking place with my appeals for the last 17 years, and how it is that judges just basically ignore the laws that they've been charged with upholding. I don't know how many of you follow the online column of uh, Sean King. It's called the North Star. But you should, because on April 26th or 27th, he wrote a, a great piece about a prosecutor from Philly, I think who for years was knowingly working with crooked cops who were manufacturing evidence, forcing confessions, and lying under oath to secure illegal convictions. The prosecutor's name was Carlos Vega. And when the truth of what was happening came out, right, when it was uncovered, do you want to know what happened to Mr. Vega? Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Because the system protects its own. And if by some miracle of less than a half of 1% probability that the law is ever upheld and my legal conviction is overturned, does anyone want to guess what will happen to the prosecutor, the police, the judge, and the grieving U.S. Marshal brother to the victim for their collusion and taking my life away unjustly or depriving my daughter of her father towards all the other losses to my family and loved ones? Nothing. Nothing. Zilch. Not a penny lost or a day squandered. Nothing. That's the American justice system. That's what people pay for. So maybe you've You've read one of my articles or you've listened to some of one of my podcasts, but you're hesitant to, to subscribe and contribute to a convict. Please, get, get, get over that. Because what your money and your contribution is going to is to help this podcast, this site, these publications, and a potential documentary on wrongful convictions happen. To talk about the very impunities that we're talking about here. Only we can stop the injustices like the ones... That, are, that I'm living and the ones that you are all living. The government officials are not going to stop it for us. Just like every right that we've ever had to fight for, we have to stop it. We have to change it. On any night of this week, a camouflage-dressed official can step in here and silence me, both temporarily or permanently. They have that power. Just like they killed George Floyd or Breonna Taylor and so many others. They ended their lives and will most likely end mine or maybe yours. But until that happens, we have to resist peacefully with full and open hearts. And I know that you're frustrated out there. I see it on the news every day. And I know that what is happening out there and in here is unjust and flat out wrong. But listen to me, people, because I've been living in an occupied situation of violence for 17 years. Listen to me when I tell you that if you act with violence, you're just playing into their hands. That's what they want you to do. Remember what Sun Tzu taught us, like something like 3,000 years ago, right? The, the Chinese war, war uh, strategist, something like 3,000 years ago. And he said, if you know yourself and you know your enemy as well as yourself, you will inevitably, in, inevitably be victorious on the battlefield. Now, the reason that we see the police and the prison guards militarizing themselves is because they are actively waiting for the type of social unrest that turns society on its head. They know that we are frustrated and angry with the impunity and the injustice that, are, that we're seeing and living. And they want us to turn violent because that will give them the justification to further infringe on our rights. We cannot give them what they want. We must be firm but peaceful. We must make ourselves be heard, but without being what we are not. So 
thank you for listening to this uh, episode on impunity. And like I said, thank you for all of you for listening to subscribing to the, to the platforms and for following me and helping me to raise funds and awareness about this.